Despite its childish and wildly immature nature, Talking with Dinosaurs is not intended for children. It has blasphemy, sweary words, sexy talk, and bad, bad thoughts. It is for entertainment purposes only, and while care has been taken to keep information as accurate as possible, paleontology is an ever-growing field with new data and theories constantly changing how we see these prehistoric monsters. We can make no guarantees about accuracy. Not that it matters, paleontologists are just making it all up as they go along anyway. And also mum, I'm still very, very sorry. Kia welcome back to Talking With Dinosaurs. I'm your host, Stefan Ato, and I'm here in a spirit of patriotism. I generally think patriotism is for fools, especially in people who aren't from New Zealand, and I am quite right on that, but I never claim to not be a fool. I apologise for being late on the podcast again, but the reason I was late and the reason I'm a proud New Zealand boy this week is that I spent the weekend on New Zealand's third largest, and arguably best island, Rakiora or Stewart Island if you're a fan of colonial oppression. I spent the weekend watching native birds, kayaking, and paying way too much for food at tourist traps. The weather was beautiful, the place was beautiful, I was beautiful, it was good times. It really inspired me to look into Rakiura's paleontological history for this week's podcast. There was one major problem with that plan though. Due to the fact that 85% of the island is protected national park, and the fact that like the rest of New Zealand, the rock's not great for fossilisation. There haven't really been that many paleontological discoveries on Stewart Island. Uh, that's really through a spanner in my works. Then I saw an interesting viral image on the Facebooks, and it gave me another idea for this week's podcast. I've shared it on the social medias, so you may have seen it by now. It claimed to be a perfectly preserved dinosaur claw, with soft tissue and di- DNA and all from a dinosaur called a Megalapteryx. Now that sounds very cool. There's only one problem. The Megalapteryx wasn't a dinosaur. That's right, the internet lied to you. What next, a reality TV star is the American president? It is definitely extinct though. Not for as long as the dinosaurs though. Not even as long as the Megalodon that we featured last week. In fact, it may be the youngest creature we ever feature on this show. The Megalapteryx is in fact the upland mower, a large wingless ostrich-like bird a ratite that wandered around New Zealand up to about ooh, 500 years ago. Oh, another not dinosaur, you say? Well, joke's on you, buddy. Birds are dinosaurs. Look deep into your heart. You know it to be true. Now, you may argue that I just contradicted myself by saying it wasn't a dinosaur and then saying it was a dinosaur. And to that, I have to say to you, all right, you got me. But uh, it's cute when I do it. They were the dominant herbivores in New Zealand, with some species standing up to two metres tall at the hip. With New Zealand's lack of native mammalian predators, they were hunted only by the massive harst eagle, which dominated New Zealand's sky before mankind's rather unfortunate arrival. Because there were no mammals, except for the odd bat, birds had to get off their lazy cloacas and fill all the niches mammals usually filled, with moa seemingly taking the place of grazing beasts like cows and horses and deer, that sort of thing. Moa are what nerds like to call K-strategists, which in non-nerd terms means that they didn't have many babies, and they took a long time to develop to adulthood. 
they estimate around 10 years, which means when they started being hunted by the first Maori settlers in the 14th century, they weren't able to breed quickly enough to recoup the lost numbers and went extinct around 100 years later. With its main prey gone, the Haast Eagle followed suit not long afterwards. Bye bye birdies! From there, Moa only lived on in Maori oral traditions, just a myth by the time of the arrival of European settlers. Tales were told of a massive, delicious bird that once ranged the land, but were written off of that colonial arrogance that our Westerners are so good at. Well, until 1839, when a man by the name of John Harris from Poverty Bay in New Zealand was given a piece of a large, unusual bone by a local Maori who had found it on a riverbank. John passed it on to our good, good arch-nemesis, Richard Owen, who somehow, after four years, managed to correctly surmise that it was from an extremely large bird. Amazing! I think this is the fourth time old Dickie Owen has come up in this podcast, and this is the first time he's managed to get anything right. Good job, Richard, really earning that knighthood. I'm really impressed he didn't try to claim it was from a giant bloody gecko, the creepy saurophile that he was. Not even the fun way that modern scalies are, he just can't seem to keep his mind off those damn lizards. Weirdo. Since then, however, thousands and thousands of moa bones have been found in sinkholes, caves, dunes and swamps. Swamps in particular seem to be a goldmine for moa bones. I had the pleasure in December to record a demo with my band. Yeah, that's right, I'm in a band, ladies. And no, you can't hear it yet. It's too good. It'll probably kill you. We recorded in a little place called Arno, just outside a slightly less small, but still tiny place called Waimati. In 1895, a farmer there found some bones in what was at the time swampland, and arranged for people from the nearby Canterbury Museum to come check them out. They found parts of over 800 different skeletons, and probably left a bunch behind. These poor buggers had probably wandered into the swamp over thousands of years and not been able to make their own way out. Their loss was our gain, though, as the huge volume of preserved moa material and relatively young age of the remains means we have large swaths of moa DNA. In fact, moa is one of the few extinct animals with its complete genome sequence. This has led to a lot of discussion of possibly cloning the moa and bringing it back from extinction. While it's still sort of science fiction at this point, it's definitely something people are working on, so who knows? Maybe Otago Fried Moa will be on the menu in our lifetime. I know, I'll give it a try. It's time to get on to give this big bird wannabe a rating. I'll probably give it a 10 out of 10 for coolness, but a 1 out of 10 for being able to survive humanity's onslaught, averaging a 5 out of 10. Oh wait, it's from New Zealand though, so it gets a plus 6 for hometown advantage. Woo, 11 out of 10, that's one more. Right, now we're done with that, let's get on to some of our Paleolithic puzzles. Our first question in this absolutely nameless section is from someone who I lost the name of, so uh, my bad, sorry about that. I'm not perfect, I just look it and sound it. I am perfect really, me losing it was obviously meant to be. Anyway, the question is, who was the dumbest or lamest paleontologist and why? from, uh, let's say, puzzled about paleontologists. Well, I'm sure you can guess the answer to this one by now. Sir Richard Owen was a critical player in the formation of the science of paleontology, and an integral part of making sure dinosaurs were acknowledged as, like, a real thing. He was also a very important figure in the study of many living vertebrates at the time, including, as noted earlier, a lot of New Zealand native birds. I like to talk a lot of shit about him, because damn near every dinosaur he looked at was he got wrong, 
But the dude is worthy of a lot of respect. He's still super lame though. He looks like the sort of guy who'd get turned down for the part of Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol because they wouldn't be able to make him not look evil in the finale after he turns. Okay, now on to the next question. This one's from the brilliant Nia Dawn, host of the fantastic Antipodian true crime podcast, Murder Down Under. She also has a new podcast called Think Yourself Clean, which you should really check out. She sent in a few, but this week's question is Jurassic Park. Good idea? Bad idea. Well, if we're talking about the movies, I'm all for them. They may not be particularly scientifically accurate, but they inspired a generation into a love of dinosaurs, myself included. We may all picture velociraptors as man-sized stab lizards because of them, but those truly interested soon find out how they actually looked. Also, boom! Rah! Bang, bang, bang! They're a lot of fun. But seriously, hashtag fuck Universal. I actually can't remember why I'm angry at them now. I think it was something to do with baryonics, but um, fuck them anyway. If you can remember why I hate them, please remind this doddery 27-year-old. Send me a link on Facebook or something to what I said. I'm... I'm not very good at keeping track of me. Now, if we were talking about an actual amusement park with living dinosaurs, you know, an actual Jurassic Park, however, my answers probably would surprise you. That's because my answer is, fuck right the fuck off. Dinosaurs as a subject are fascinating. Six meter tall walls of teeth and murder are not something I want living anywhere near me, though. A friend of mine was staying in Southeast Asia, and they told me about some kind of monitor lizard that got into the compound they were in and murdered a bunch of kittens. Now, I love kittens. Can you imagine how many kittens an Allosaurus could eat? Thousands. Why do you hate kittens, Universal Pictures? Wait, is that why I hate Universal Pictures? Do Universal Pictures eat kittens? It makes sense, I guess. Maybe, maybe we should get that trending on Twitter. Let's get some hashtag Universal Pictures hates kittens, yeah? Anyway, I think that's about all I have time for today. Thanks again to Nia and Murder Down Under for the question, and the shoutouts on the Twitters. It really is a great podcast. If you're into true crime and want to check out something with an Australian bent, it's definitely worth checking out. Think Yourself Clean is pretty awesome too. I can't wait to hear more of it. I'd also like to thank you, the listener, for sticking with me through 10 episodes. 10! That's crazy. I give up everything after a week. So the fact that I've been doing this for three months now and only missed two episodes is a pretty fantastic step for me, and I wouldn't be here without you. This is especially true of my dear old mum, who is definitely my number one fan. I'm still sorry, mum. If you have any questions or Triassic trivia for me, just as usual, send it to me at talkingwithdinosaurs at gmail.com. Tweet it to me at talkingdinocast, or with the hashtag talkingwithdinosaurs, or put it on the Facebook page. And, you know, feel free to tell everyone you know about it, preferably people who will tell other people and, like, really charismatic people, good-looking people a lot like me. And, um, yeah, if you've got anything else to tell me, just uh, pop it on the Facebook page. I promise I don't bite. Well, maybe not. It depends how tasty you are. As tasty as kittens are to Universal Pictures? Oh, you're in trouble then. Anyway, I have to go to bed. It's well past my bedtime. I've been Stefan Ato, and we have been talking with dinosaurs. Hashtag Universal Eats Kittens. <laughs> <laughs>